What are the two qualities you need to get into hyper growth mode inside of a business or a team or even as an individual? And what is a way that we can help clients simplify a very complex environment into something that is not only strategically clarifying for people, but also highly actionable? Well, we're in for a treat today because I've got Karen Walker who has an extraordinary amount of experience, not only coaching, consulting, and advising hyper-growth companies and leaders, but she was also the 104th employee at what was at the time the fastest growing company in American history, Compaq Computer, and was there helping to build the teams all the way up to 17,000 employees. So this is one of my favorite things when I get to actually sit down with someone who's in the trenches, has an extraordinary amount of experience, technical skill, competency, and is now mentoring and coaching and advising other people. She has an absolute wealth of knowledge. She wrote the book, No Dumbing Down. She's had an incredible career, and I hope you enjoy today's conversation. Welcome to the UpCoach Podcast for modern coaches and creators with your host, Todd Herman. In 20 minutes or less, our goal is to share one big idea that will transform your coaching and your business. So let's get into today's episode. I'm going to kick off with what is the significance of 2C? Ah. What a great place to start. And it means you've done some homework. Um, so my, uh, what I tell people when they ask me where I live is I am often found in seat 2C. Uh, and that's because as a consultant, uh, I tend to spend a lot of time on airplanes. And yeah. um, I sorted out that, that 2C is my, my favorite spot on the airplane to be. So 2C, that would be an aisle seat. Yes. Yes. You've traveled enough to know that you don't need the window seat to look out anymore at the, you know, topography below. So um, it's just, it, I found that so, <laughs> it's, such a, it's such a great example of when someone shares something so specific in their bio that I'm like, that out of all the things that you shared, that's the one that I've got to ask you the question on to begin with is why 2C? So um, I, I've, I've had that same experience with the fact that I say that I'm the world's greatest root beer lover. And uh -huh. I've, kept a, I've kept a journal on root beers since I was 19 years old when I did a cross America and Canada trip with my high school buddy. And we just tried a new root beer everywhere we went. And um, so now I get gifts of root beer every single month sent to me. Oh, that's great to know. I did that. I might change that brulee, to either wine or I want to be known for either wine, cigars, or maybe exotic cars. And I see if that changes my <laughs> gifting um, that I get. So, um, but Karen, uh, beyond the 2C, I'd love to know, uh, and, it's, and it's always fun for me when I get to talk to someone who's got so much seasoned experience mm. in the world of coaching and consulting. And it's born out of not necessarily going and getting a certification but being in the trenches for so many years at a very, very high levels in, uh, in, in business. So how did you end up getting into this type of service work, coaching and consulting yeah. um, and advising uh, companies and leaders? Yeah. Uh, thanks for asking. Um, I, I had no idea this was what I was going to be when I grew up. I was either going to be an archaeologist or a nuclear engineer uh, when I was a kid. That was my, that yeah. was my dream. 
um, I did get an engineering degree, and then I, I worked for what was then the fastest growing company in American history, uh, Compact Computer. No idea yeah. when we joined. You know, we had no product shipped yet, and only a hundred people. But uh, was there through fourteen years of hypergrowth as we went from no revenue to about fifteen billion in revenue, and from one hundred and four employees to seventeen thousand. And I had a, as part of the leadership team had a big global job. It wasn't very big when I joined, but got bigger, and yeah. uh, I loved it. I, I really loved that environment. And when I left, you know, at, at the size it was, it was just like another big company. And at least for me, uh, wasn't a place I wanted to spend the rest of my uh, working life. So I took some time out to figure out what I really missed. And mm -hmm. I miss putting together high-performing teams and uh, making clear, making them clear what they're doing, why they're doing it, and the stuff that gets in the way. And it's almost never the technical stuff. It is almost yeah. always people, process, and tools. And um, I'm, you know, I'm an industrial engineer, so efficiency is uh, sort of part of my DNA. Uh, yeah. And I went back to Columbia. I did their ODHRM programs. I got the theory behind the practice that I knew. Uh, and um, I've been working with um, CEOs and senior leaders and leadership teams now for the past two decades, uh, primarily in the tech space. Um, also worked with a number of Fortune 500 companies, but my sweet spot tends to be tends to be tech. Yeah. Um, I think another uh, secret weapon that you have in your back pocket um, resides inside the walls of the home that you have as well. And that is that you are also married to Dr. Bob Moore, who um, has an extraordinarily, extraordinary skill set around human performance, yes. um, sports psychologist as well. So my background building a, a huge peak right. performance and mental game coaching company that I sold to Real Madrid. Um, I'm sure that you guys have some really great meetings of the mind and fascinating conversations around the challenges that you might be having with clientele and you can really bounce mm. ideas off of each other. Um, how much has that also played a part in your ability to deliver great results for clients? Because you're not just I know what that's like when you're stuck mm. maybe inside your own bubble and you don't have someone right. who's a really great peer that you can talk to yeah. about the challenges of clients. Cause you know, most of our challenges with organizations and companies is it comes down to people problems. Absolutely. Well, congrats on all your success, of course. Uh, and uh, it was huge. Uh, Bob and I worked together for maybe the first 10 years that I was uh, in this line of work. Uh, mm -hmm. And it was, it's wonderful. It's also a little like making sausage, right? Because we yeah. come at things from two very different places. I am so logic-based and he is so emotion-based and understands yeah. people in a way that I, I never will. But I, I learned um, a lot from him. Um, and I think it's fair to say he learned from me as well. And, of course, uh, and yeah. as a result, what we were able to deliver at our clients and what I'm able to deliver my clients now is really from both sides of the table. I think it's, it's part of what uh, has made me successful as a coach is understanding what's happening on the business side of the table um, because I, I've been there and mm -hmm. having now this, uh, this deep understanding of what goes on with human systems. Yeah. Um, one of the, when I was uh, doing more and more research, one of the quotes that you um, share, and it comes out of your book, if you don't dumb down, neither will your organization. Yeah. Uh, so, so you've got a book yeah. um, called Dumbing Down. Mm -hmm. um, and what do you mean by, if you don't dumb down, neither yeah. will your organization? Yeah. 
So the book is titled No Dumbing Down. No Dumbing Down. That's rally, right. yes. Rallying Cry. Uh, but the core, the kernel of that is that a, t- a team and an organization, but a team can only work at the level of the lowest performing member. And what tends to happen when we put teams together is people come in with different levels of expertise, different goals uh, that can often be misaligned, uh, different different resources that they're able to bring to bear. Uh, and if the, the most of the team is able to perform at this level, but you've got one team member uh, who, for whatever reason, um, often not their own fault, um, can only perform at this level, you know, time, mm-hmm. resources, skill level. Uh, the team can only can only perform here, right? Because the team, by definition, is um, only going to be successful uh, in their interdependence, right? So, um, so you the team has to dumb down. Well, what happens when that when that occurs? Uh, the team is not able to work to its true potential. Right. Mm-hmm. And the organization um, isn't as well. And so you want a team to pay attention to how they operate, not just what they're doing, uh, which which you obviously uh, live as well. Uh, but, yeah. but how they operate, you know, how how are they chartered? How do they debrief what's going on? Um, how do they make sure that they're aligned um, in their goals yeah. and their uh, their ability to hold each other accountable? So doing similar ish work. Mm-hmm. Um, with people, how much of a challenge has it been then for you to, or let me phrase it this way, is the discipline of that, whether it's retrospectives and looking back on how we did things and that operation, is that one of the more difficult things to get a client or a team to stay engaged with? I think and I say that because I, I've just found that you know, yeah. it's that you know, you've got, especially with high performers or peak yeah. performers or top performers or top achievers, they just want to go into the very next thing. Mm. Um, and in my world, I call it, you got to look at the game film, right? Mm. Like when Tom Brady leaves the field, sure. he looks at the game film yeah. and not only for the things that, you know, were mistakes or were pebbles in the shoe, but also what he did right. How did he, why mm. did he get exactly. that read right? Yeah. And things like that. Yeah. So I just find that people who are very used to operating in kind of an average atmosphere that's just, you know, um, table stakes, what other people do, getting them to have that discipline of, no, you need to stop. Like, it's that idea of thinking fast and thinking slow. This is the thinking mm-hmm. slow part. On the bookshelf. Yeah. 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 So I don't know, just from your experience, do you have, do you have, do you find that there's a lot of support and encouragement with people to stay disciplined with that? I do. I think once, yeah, the hard part is getting started. Um, once people do it, they can't not do it, right? Mm. Um, and absolutely, we all have more on our plates than we have time to do. Um, our clients, for sure, have more to do than they have time to do. And yeah. um, just getting them in the, um, just the cadence, right? Having systems that support you in that cadence is really important of um, what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? Why are we doing it? Not just the doing of it. And that that planning is as important as the doing itself, right? Because otherwise, particularly I'm working with people in hyper growth environments for the most part. So they don't have time for mistakes. They don't have time to double back. Uh, And so to be clear about what they're doing and why, what they expect to see, and then looking at the results and the sort of whatever the current environment might be when the thing is done um, so that you can course correct because it, you know, nothing's ever in a straight line. Uh, especially mm-hmm. when you're growing fast, right? You what you're gonna what you're gonna what you want to do is to make sure that you're operating within some some cone 
uh, that you've set out uh, of acceptable uh, results. And if you see yourself starting to stray from that, then you have to course correct. And you can only yeah. do that if you take the time to debrief. Before we jump into the the one thing with you, you <laughs> you there's not there's not many chances I can get where I get to talk to someone else who is involved in, and you've said it a couple of times now, hyper growth companies. Yeah. They are very different. They look very different. The culture is very different. The environment around them, whether it's the market or whatever, is also different. So I'd love to hear from someone who's you know in those trenches. What do you sort of see happening inside of a hyper growth company and culture that's different than even a company that is growing, but it's not in hyper growth stage? Um, well, I think the, the first thing and, and part of what makes a hyper growth company successful, um, you know, I mean, obviously you have a product market fit and it's what happens after you find your product market fit. Do you have an investor who is aligned with your vision of where you want to go? Right. Because mm -hmm. that is huge, huge issues. Right. If there's no alignment there. Yeah. Um, do you have uh, a culture in your organization uh, that is set up to continue this cycle of of hyper growth? Because if you if you hire people who haven't signed up for that sort of a, a tour of duty, as Reed Hoffman says, um, yeah. you know you 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 can't be successful, right? Uh, everybody on the team has to be signed up uh, for the sort of effort that it takes to keep that keep that wheel spinning. Uh, so there's no you know flywheels are good things in engineering, right? Just put in a little bit of energy and the wheel keeps turning. Um, but a flywheel in a hyper growth organization is a bad thing because you don't want to put small amounts of energy in. You want everybody putting their full potential in to get the engine going. Uh, and you know that's going to be for a period of several years. Uh, you just have, mm -hmm. to, you have to have a team that's signed up for that. And yeah, issues I, occur when that's not the case. Love that. Love that. Um, I see it similarly inside of why people think that one sports organization is always like right. in the playoffs or getting themselves to the championship games or, or whatever. And... Um, in that interviewing process of the athlete coming in or where they're going to be signing them from free agency or whatever, they, they really do stress test and say like, Hey, are you willing yeah. to commit to this way that we operate? Yeah. Cause we do things. I mean, Belichick did that brilliantly for all those years. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, the talent of Brady being there and the combination of those two obviously produced that, you know, X factor, but you know, a lot of I had clients who would go in and then they would leave because they like, they just didn't, they, they, they they didn't like that type of culture, or other ones would went mm -hmm. went in and said, "Oh, I feel I feel like I finally found my group yeah. as well." Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think in, um, uh, I, I'm gonna. I really yeah. should have said this earlier. I think the other thing that is uh, so important for working in a hyper growth company, you have to have uh, a great tolerance for ambiguity and a bias for action, and uh, those are things that are hard for people, right? The, to be able to to live with the unknown. But in a hyper growth mm. company, you cannot know. And so if you're not okay with ambiguity, um, you will you will fail. Um, and yeah. then of course the the bias for action um, has to be there in any growth oriented company. Yeah. Um, oh man, that's a rabbit hole that I could go down I know, with you on that one. We'll have to just talk again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. So getting to your one thing. So as someone who's worked with, you know top achieving teams and high performing organizations and CEOs and leaders and boards as well. I know we talked about this before, it's hard to always whittle things something down to one thing, but what's made a really big impact on yeah. your ability to help people get results um, towards the transformation that they're trying to go towards? Yeah. 
Um, it's actually one of the things that helped me know I was going to be a consultant. Um, I went into a room and I couldn't not pick up the marker and draw something on the flip chart. Uh, yeah. And uh, what I what I've learned is that um, I have an ability to create two by two matrices, uh, and that they are a way to take a complex uh, situation and simplify it. Uh, and yeah. any uh, executive is in a situation where they have they're living in a complex world, and simplification is often the greatest need. Uh, and so a two by two matrix will not solve all the world's problems, um, but yeah. it will give us a framework for talking about what's going on. And I, I brought an example that I thought might be useful for your Brilliant. audience uh, of uh, coaches. So um, it's, you know, it's pretty simple to make a matrix, right? You just have to have these, uh, these two variables. And so uh, one. Well, um, I would say this because I draw them as well. And it's one of my like superpowers is creating models go. and frameworks. Yeah. I'm a dyslexic you know, and so I think in pictures in my head anyway. And so all, you know, uh, the, the thought leaders that I mentor as well and help them kind of build similar businesses that, mm-hmm. um, that I did, it's one of the first places I start is organizing things into yeah. either pyramids, you know, there's circles, triangles, and squares, right? Yep. And so you're talking about squares, but I mean, creating a great matrices while it's, you know, visually simple, there's a lot of nuance that goes into getting the right words and axes on there as well. So, yeah. all right, feed me this Great. example. So I'm going to talk you through this uh, without, okay. without the visual. So I'll let you do this in your head. Yeah. So, so the, the two axes are executive presence and technical skills, right? And okay. uh, as someone who, who does coaching, right, often there's a tension between those two. Um, so if we start uh, in the upper left-hand corner, so this is someone with high executive presence but low technical skills. Um, okay. I call that fake it till you make it, um, mm. but you don't be an empty suit, right? Which is the what can happen there if you only have executive presence but you don't really have the skills. Uh, in the and lower, when you say executive presence, what do you mean by executive presence? Um, I mean the ability to walk into a room and um, and command it uh, to uh, to be able to connect with the people that you're presenting to or that you're yeah. selling to or whatever you happen to be doing in the moment. Uh, but it's, it's this ability to show up as someone who uh, others want to listen to. Yeah. And then yeah. the technical presence side of things, is that in the domain of understanding the business or, or what would that Whatever be? your technical skills are. I mean, in, okay. in my world, sometimes it's someone who's like a really awesome in the engineering or development side, or yeah. uh, maybe they're, they're really good at, um, cybersecurity. I mean, who knows? Uh, but they're, they're, they're not always really good at, uh, at presenting, for example, to customers or boards uh, or sure. even others in the organization who they need to influence. Uh, so yeah. That. Okay. Yeah. So, so fake up into the it. left is yeah. strong executive presence, low technical um, skill. Exactly. In the bottom left-hand corner, which is low executive presence and low technical skill, um, I call this get to work, right? You need one of these skill sets or the other, or you're not going to last in any organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bottom right-hand corner, so this is someone with high technical skills, low executive presence. And so these are people who often get coaching, right, because they're moving into um, areas where they, they need to have the executive presence, but they've been really successful at the company technically. Uh, so this is a key contributor, right? Um, oftentimes that that person is able to develop their own skills. And if they can't, they at least need to find an interpreter. Right? Mm. You, you have to find a way uh, to take what it is that you're trying to get across and make sure that it connects with people and that they're able to understand it. 
Uh, and then the Can I stop you there just for a of second? Of course, yeah. Because all of this is actually perfectly mapping to how I perceive the, I would say, the um, marketing presence or influence of many mm. coaches, consultants that are out there as well. Sure. A lot of them will have very, they're bottom right corner people. They, mm -hmm. have ex they have really great technical presence or they understand their domain of knowledge really, really well. But their ability to communicate that out into the the market, so they can own thought leadership, is mm -hmm. is where they are is where they're weak. Yeah. Um, and so I'm I'm saying this not only for myself because I'm you know in, I'm mapping it to my own world and the world of the people that are listening too, but uh, you know I wanted to highlight that for people that are listening um, and and the people that frustrate us would be people in the upper left hand quadrant. Yes. who have very great communication sure. skills. They know how to put together great Twitter threads or LinkedIn things and you know articles and stuff, but you know that they have a very thin layer no of understanding there, right? of, yeah. of the domain. Um, and the easy way for me to find that is I just have to ask you one or two clarifying questions and I can pop your balloon. Um, it, that's on, and I've done that on panels with people mm -hmm. because I know that they're not, they're, they're sort of just saying the platitudes. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Upper right-hand quadrant now. All right. So here we are, right? The Holy Grail, the upper right-hand quadrant. Um, and this I label the sky's the limit. This is someone with strong executive presence and strong technical skills. So um, the, the challenge there, or the charge there is to keep growing and developing uh, because that is someone who's truly a high potential, high performer in an organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you ever, like when you evaluate... Mm -hmm people inside of say a hyper growth company versus a growing or a stagnant company, mm -hmm. does the percentages in the quadrants start to shift and change based on um, the type of company that you're looking at? I don't know if you've ever done that work, but it would make sense to me that you would have a lot more people in that upper right-hand quadrant. Absolutely. Um, I'd say the, the right-hand side uh, in general, uh, you have more people in. Uh, people on the left-hand side, the fake it till you make it folk, um, in particular, um, um, wash out, right? Because there's, there's just no, there's no space. They, they can't mm -hmm. keep up. Charisma will only carry you so far. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, Karen, that that, I wish that that was true, mm -hmm. but I don't know that that's always the case. Um, I mean, how many more CEOs of, you know, highly, our highly touted CEO comes in to take over a massive, you know, multi-billion dollar company and they do not get anywhere near the same results as a predecessor mm -hmm. or or something else, and and it's we see it in politics. We see oh, it sure. in media. Oh, sure. I was speaking purely. And you're right. They do. They do about wash hyper out. Sometimes companies. I think it just takes but, a long time for it to happen. Yeah, I was speaking purely in hyper growth companies, but um, yes. absolutely in the world in general, a lot of empty suits and um, yeah, you know, people. What was the old what was the old term? The, the Peter Principle, where people sort yes. of got promoted until they they. They couldn't the do the work anymore and then they couldn't get promoted. So they just, they just stayed there. They got promoted. They got promoted into their incompetence. And, yes. um, uh, you know, we, yeah, absolutely. We see that. Uh, and as a, as a shareholder, um, that is always the worst thing uh, for mm -hmm. to see about any organization that I'm uh, invested in in any way. Well, the, the final nuance there about, you know, you qualifying and saying in hyper growth companies, you can see mm -hmm. someone wash out a lot faster. I would definitely agree with that um on that so the 
what has been then the impact? You said simplification, um, but do you have an example of a, a client that you came in and you did this with where you've had fascinating conversations or it had an impact beyond even what you would have expected it to have, which is helping them simplify their thinking because now you've got this object that we can all look at and start plotting things inside sure. of. Um, any examples from your uh, your past? Sure. Well, in, in this case, for example, um, it once someone has a framework and they're really technically gifted, um, it's easier for them to see why they need to put the effort into doing the other, right? That's often the issue for people about growing and developing and changing is I'm already successful. Why do I need to do anything different, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe you don't have to do anything different to stay where you are, but the organization around you is moving, your customers are moving, your, or your uh, direct reports, you know, everything is growing and changing all the time. And if there's no such thing as a steady state in the world, and so no, you either right. have to make the change or you actually will go into decline. Um, but I think once you have a framework where you can say, okay, this, these are the two things that are, that are most important and uh, most of the people I'm working with at the senior level, um, then I'm missing one of them or I need to, yeah. I need to at least get, get better um, so that it's not an issue. So Karen, when you're creating these two by uh, two matrices with people, mm -hmm. are you prescribing what goes on the X and Y just from your own experience, or do you sort of facilitate it out of them as well? Yeah. Often they come out of conversation that we're having, right? Um, sometimes I'll be in, I'll be coaching with someone like on zoom and I'll, I'll pull up one and say, oh yeah, this is what we were talking about. Right. Uh, yeah. um, but often it's, it's just out of the conversation, uh, come the things that are in opposition, um, that it would be uh, beneficial, uh, for us to, yeah. to figure out a framework so that we can talk about it, uh, in a more coherent and logical way than we have been. Yeah. The other side of this too is, um, from my experience of just giving people a model is, mm -hmm. you know, our challenge is, you know, we've got our expertise and we're trying to, you know, pour some of that into the people that we're working with, but their ability to recall it, if it's just a jumble of words can be difficult. Whereas you empowering them with this matrices allows them to go back and then mentor and coach other people as well. I'm sure that that's probably one of the other, you know, incredibly powerful side benefits of, of doing this with people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why these uh, uh, sort of memorable taglines for each of the quadrants are important. So people can look at each other in the meeting and say, that was a fake it till you make it moment, right? Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you had mentioned this before um, uh, regarding the taglines before we hit the record button. And so can you just quickly talk about the importance of taglining in each of the, the quadrants? Sure. It's just the, it's the mental shorthand uh, for remembering um, what's going on in that quadrant. Um, and I, I often try to put both the memorable tagline and then also the what to do or even what not to do as, yeah. a, as a subset of that. But the, you know, in this case, the, the fake it till you make it empty suit, um, I think it's a pretty easy thing for people to remember um, that that's, that's someone with only executive presence and no technical skill. And, um, and the, you know, the sky's the limit, which is where we all want to be in that upper mm -hmm. right-hand quadrant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is brilliant. I know that there's probably about 
36 other bullet points that you could run down of other things that you've made and that make a big impact in the way that you work with people. But it's such, I love this because it's such a tactical um, example. It's tactical and it's strategic at the exact same time. Mm -hmm. It's one of these few concepts that unites both big thinking and very practical, actionable, um, oh, I can go and do this right now, which I think is at the absolute apex of thought leadership, Mm -hmm. advice giving, um, and and we haven't had that, you know, we haven't talked about something like this on the on the on the podcast before, but it's something that I do every single day. I'm right. always typically I've got my iPad right here and I'm, you know, sharing my screen and I'm drawing something out, whether it's for a client mm-hmm. or if, whether it's for a, a webinar or a training or something like that, because, you know, A, it's for myself as well, helps me organize my thinking. Yeah. And, you know, you know, every human being likes a picture. Um, I haven't met anyone yet who objects against a circle, mm-hmm. triangle, or square. So you know, to anyone that's that's listening, like building up this skill set and studying other matrices and how you build them is, I can't, I mean, it's it sounds like it's such a specific thing, but it's so empowering to other people yeah. when you when you clarify, clarify thinking. Yeah. yeah. Um, Karen, where can people go to learn more about your world, um, your book, and uh, just everything that you're up to? Yeah, so I am, um, my website and all social media is under Karen Walker US. So the website mm-hmm. itself is karenwalker.us. Uh, karenwalker.com is actually a New Zealand fashion designer, so I will never have that, but karenwalker.us. Uh, and then um, on social media, um, it's all at karenwalkerus. Fantastic. Uh, well, this was a treat. Uh, thank you so much. Love the conversation around the nuanced difference between hyper growth companies and, uh, you know, someone else. So, uh, you're a champ. Thank you so much. Terrific. Thanks for having me and, uh, look forward to another conversation. Take good care. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening to the up coach podcast with your host, Todd Herman. I hope you got a lot of value from today's episode. And if you haven't already, Subscribe to the podcast. You get notified when we drop our next episode every week. Just type in the Up Coach podcast in the search and click the subscribe button on your favorite listening platform and a review, a little snar rating, wouldn't hurt. And finally, all the show notes, tips, links shared, and the transcript is over at upcoach.com slash podcast, where you can also get your free trial for our modern transformation platform, specifically built for coaches and creators that care. That's all for this episode. We'll see you next time. And of course, keep on coaching.